Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 1, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Before the disciples were to go, they were told to wait. Before they were to go, they were told to wait. Now, in Luke chapter 24, in verse 49, do I have that verse? I didn't have it last service, but do I have it this service? Luke 24, 49, thank you, Jesus. Look at Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry, you see that word? In the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus told them to go in Matthew chapter 28. In Luke chapter 24, he says, before you go, I want you to wait for the power. I want you to tarry. Now, it's from this verse. All throughout many, many years, hundreds of years, actually, people used to have in the church what was known as tarrying services. If you know what a tarrying service is, raise your hand, would you? Good, that, that, that's 10 of y'all. All right, good, all right. Last service, it was two. A tarrying service was a time when people would come together and they would tarry for the Holy Spirit. They would wait on the Holy Spirit. After, second, after first service, this sister came up to me and she told me that she remembered when she was a little girl, she said that, that, that she said, Pastor Rodney, when I was a little girl, they used to have a bench up front. And people would, would, would come up and get on the tarrying bench, they called it. I said, what? I had never heard that before. She said, yeah, we used to get there and we used to be there for hours. Pastor Rodney, I was a little girl and we used to have to stay there for hours and it was terrible. I said, Ma, I can imagine. You poor woman. Are you damaged? And she said they had these like tarrying services. And I remember when I was a kid, I was born and raised in Philadelphia. And I remember, you know how when you were a kid, you remember the addresses and places that you used to live? Well, I remember 120 North Millick Street. And, 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 and that was, you know, when I was a kid, we grew, you know, 120 North Millick Street. And that was, that was like the hood. I grew up in the hood. What, y'all know what the hood is? Like, What's the hood? What's the hood? The ghetto. <laughs> I grew up in the ghetto. Y'all, y'all with me so far? Say amen. All right. Y'all like all quiet. The hood? Are there any hoods in Apex? Oh, I, no. I think so. I'll never forget. It was like 120 North Millick Street, right across the street from where we used to live. There were these people who gathered together. And I think it was every Tuesday night. And they all wore black and white, which I just couldn't understand that. Everybody in the church, and they were gathered in a house church. 
And I remember those people used to pray so loud and sing so loud and pray so long into the night. And they were having tarrying services. They were gathering together to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, you are to tarry, he told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until you be received, until you be endued with power from on high. So they would wait on the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me and listen closely. The scriptures do not teach that we today as believers need to wait on the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we need to wait for the Spirit, which means... That speaks of anointing. That speaks of calling. That speaks of timing. In other words, if God is calling you to go do something, God is appointing you and anointing you to move out in service, then we need to wait for the Spirit to empower us, to send us. But as it relates to waiting on the Spirit, listen, the Bible does not teach we need to wait on the Spirit. The Bible does teach, as a matter of fact, that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. So the moment that you become a Christian, and you listen to me closely, it's very important for you to understand. The moment that you become a Christian, the moment that you say, Lord, I want you to come into my life, it is at that moment, according to the Scriptures, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. Thus, this whole terminology that the church has developed of, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Somebody once asked me that one time. Are you a spirit-filled Christian? I said, duh, I'm a pastor. (laughs) Wouldn't it occur to you? So this whole thing of, you know, are you a spirit-filled Christian? Listen, watch this. Listen, listen close. The Bible does not use that terminology. The Bible does not listen. The early church knew nothing of the such. I think that's the way you say that. Nothing of the such. No, they, they didn't know anything about that. Why? Because the early church, they understood that when you become a Christian, now, yes, were they waiting on the Spirit? Yes, in the upper room. But understand something. In Acts chapter 2, we'll get there in some millennium. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 2, they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 2, they received the Spirit. And now from that day forward, every single born-again believer, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are Spirit-filled. And thus, the spirit-filled Christian, that is not biblical terminology. Now, are we to wait for the Spirit to empower us? Absolutely. But this whole concept of waiting on the Spirit, oh no, when you become a Christian, you are spirit-filled and you receive the Spirit at that time. Now, are we in need of continual filling of the Spirit? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine where in excess. Some of y'all are like, yay. <laughs> the excess part is there. Yay. I know y'all. All right. <laughs> Sipping saints. I'm not going to ask you to say amen. I'm not going to say I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. 
But the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And see, this Greek word, be filled, if you're writing, taking notes, write this down. It's in the present perfect tense. It literally speaks of a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. You know that verse could read, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the word filled speaks of control. It doesn't speak of quantity. Oh, we think of quantity like you take a glass and a pitcher, pour water in it, and quantity, it fills up. We need to be filled. That's not the idea there. The word filled in the scriptures speaks of controlled. In other words, be ye controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. You see, it's not a matter of whether you, that we, get more of the Spirit. Often I've heard people praying, Lord, give me more of the Spirit. I want more of the Spirit. Lord, more of the Spirit. Listen, you don't need more of the Spirit. You got all of the Spirit you ever going to get. The day you became a Christian, you ain't going to get no more. You got all you're going to get. You are as filled and, and, and complete in the spirit as you ever are going to be. It's not a matter of you getting more of the spirit. It's a matter of you giving the spirit more of you. Amen. Lord, I, I need to give you more of me. <laughs> Enough of me and more of you. Because you, you have everything. You're filled. We need to be controlled by the spirit. Controlled by the spirit. Every aspect of our lives needs to be controlled. Every day that you get up in the morning, you know what? Take the time and say, Lord, control me today by your spirit. Every single day, get more of the spirit. Invite him to have control. Before you come to church, on your way to church, say, Lord, get, I, I need to be controlled and filled by the spirit. Before you get out there on the 440 traffic. Now you need to say amen. Lord, I don't want to have road rage. I don't want to kill nobody. I want to be controlled by the spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian in every church and everybody needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is controlled and the Holy Spirit is influencing your life, there's going to be joy, there's going to be life, and there's going to be light in your life because you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So wait for the promise. Point number two, the disciples were to forget their politics. Look at verse 6 and 7 in your Bibles again. As I explained these things, Jesus, after Jesus explained these things, or as he was gathered together, and, and, and he's talking about, you know, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, they ask him, they say, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom? Now, I find that to be a strange question, actually. I think it's a little strange to me. I mean, Jesus is talking about spiritual things, talking about being empowered, baptized with the Spirit. Jesus is talking about spiritual stuff. And all of a sudden, they say, Lord... Is it, uh, you're going to restore the kingdom about this time? See, I'm convinced that the disciples, they, they had ADD. Uh, something's not right. I mean, this is like a, I mean, are you feeling, I mean, this is like a complete interruption here. I mean, Jesus is talking about, you know, spiritual things, man. And they go, hey, well, hey, you're going to restore the kingdom at this time? I mean, it's just kind of awkward. It's just kind of weird to me. Now, you, you know, in all fairness, let me just say that in verse 3 earlier, we talked about this last week. Jesus had been talking about the kingdom of God. So, I mean, in all fairness, they could be thinking when the Holy Spirit is given, Jesus is going to give back the kingdom. That's very, very 
possible. But then notice in verse 7 in your Bibles, go ahead and look at it again. Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority. You see, these guys are thinking of an immediate political kingdom, and Jesus is talking about a spiritual everlasting kingdom. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times, chronos, and it's not for you to know the seasons, karyos. Over and over in the Bible, the Bible talks about the coming kingdom, but also the Bible's very clear that no man knows the day nor the hour. No man knows. And I'm amazed at how many people try to figure it out. 1843, there was a man named William Miller. And perhaps you know that name. And he took a bunch of people. And they became known as the Millerites. The Millerites. And he took a bunch of people, and, he, and they were known as the Millerites. And, and he put right, white robes on them, and then they were out in the Midwest... And, um, and sitting on a hill, and they were waiting for a specific date when, when Jesus would come back. This guy claimed to know the date when Jesus was going to come back. And so they're waiting, and I'm sure that they were like, yay, we don't have to pay our visa bills anymore. We don't have to pay our house payments because Jesus is coming back, so run up the credit cards and all that kind of stuff. And so they're out there waiting and waiting and waiting, and Jesus never came back, obviously. And they did that on five consecutive different occasions. Uh, these guys, that, you know, this guy was setting dates. Well, get this. After he died, his followers, they put on his gravestone, they wrote these words. At the appointed time, the end will come. They wrote that on his gravestone. And, of course, we've talked about this in the past. A guy by the name of Edgar uh, Wisnett, and he wrote, remember, perhaps you remember, a book called 88 Reasons Why Christ is Coming in 1988. And when, when it passed, he published a sequel, 89 Reasons Why Christ is Coming in 1989. And obviously, he hadn't come yet. People date setting. Remember Y2K? People were freaking out with Y2K. Pastor Rodney, aren't you going to tell people and prepare us for Y2K? It's coming. I mean, honestly, people were like making appointments with me to tell me, you've got to prepare us. Why aren't you saying something? Y2K is upon us. And people were buying generators and beans. <laughs> Come on now, y'all. Y'all know y'all still got some of them generators. You know you do. Don't give me one of them. In case they have an emergency. You know. Folks were crazy. Y2K. And people, aren't you going to... Do a Bible study on Y2K. Jesus is coming. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. Why? Because we don't know that Jesus is coming. All we know is that we are to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what, guys? If you've been around here, you know that's exactly what I did. Yes, I addressed it. Yes, I tried to calm fears. But I'm not going to go down that path with people Because, you know, I know Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. Can I tell you something? There's stuff that you just don't know and stuff you're never going to know. Stuff's not your business to know because the secret things belong to the Lord. Well, I don't want to become a Christian until I get all my questions answered. Well, you probably are never going to become a Christian because you're not going to know everything. But that's what this thing called faith is all about. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
We put our trust in the Lord. We put our trust in the word of God and the things that we don't know. We say, praise God anyway. God is still good. God is still great. He's still on the throne. Nothing's changing just because I don't know everything. So what? Why do you think I know everything anyway? Say amen, y'all. You don't don't know. The secret things belong to the Lord. And so they need to forget about their politics. And then the last and final point, the disciples were to receive the power of when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Saints, we got to look at it again. Look at verse 8. If you're there, say amen. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. That word witness, by the way, is martyr. Martyr. We have the word martyr. Uh, You shall be witnesses or martyrs to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were to our final point, to receive the power when the Holy Spirit, note verse 8, comes upon you. You see that in verse 8? When the Spirit comes upon you. Now I understand, especially in a room this size and numbers of people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are certainly mixed reactions. I mean, some people in the church, loving godly people, but they're just really into the Spirit. Some people are really into the Spirit and the spiritual things. You know, some people love the talk about the Spirit. They love to encounter the Spirit. They love to, you know, focus on the Spirit. I've heard of churches that people gather together, and they said, Pastor Ronnie, oh, the service was unbelievable. Church we went to over there, oh, it was unreal. Really, how so? I said, oh, the Spirit. The Spirit was so high. Now, I know we're in trouble when we say the Spirit was high. I don't know what that means. Oh, he was so hot. Spirit was so hot. Spirit was the people. The spirit was so hot. The pastor didn't even get to preach. He couldn't even preach the word. I'm like, okay, back away from the crazy. This is the <laughs> the pastor couldn't preach the word. I'm like, no, no, no. Let me let me just tell you a little secret, okay? Whenever you hear that the pastor couldn't preach the word, that's probably because the, the word wasn't prepared. <laughs> Oh, but the spirit was high. Well, what did the pastor preach about? We don't know. Oh, spirit. Some folks are into the spirit. And then some people, well, they want nothing to do with the spirit. I mean, they think the spirit's weird. They think it, the spirit's going to cause them to do something embarrassing. So when you start talking to some people about the spirit, you know, they just clam up. They don't want anything to do. So you've got, you got, you know, people on the extremes. you got some people all in the spirit, all in the speaking in tongues. You know, if the Spirit of God is moving, they're speaking in tongues. It's, you know, you know, Ikamnona Honda and Shandalan, you know, Economy Car Show, and you know what I mean? It's just, you know, all in the tongues. And you got people on the other end of the spectrum that just don't believe in the gifts at all. And they say that, you know, that's just extremism. They say there's no gifts. They say there's no healing. There's no tongues. There's no gifts of Spirit. You got people on either end. Now, here at Calvary Chapel, where are we? We, are, we try to strike balance here at Calvary Chapel, saints. We really try to strike balance. You know, Pentecostals accuse us of being Baptists. Pentecostals accuse the people, oh, it's not, you know, Pastor Ryan, I love the service and everything, but they, you know, not enough spirit. Needs to be getting more, some more gifts and stuff flowing. So Pentecostals kind of accuse us of being Baptists. And Baptist people, well, they think that we're crazy Pentecostals. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they do. I've had a Baptist brother. I mean, oh, yeah, what y'all do over there at Calvary Chapel? You I'm pastor of church. Really? Where? Calvary Chapel. Oh, really? Oh, you guys are charismatics there. I go, yeah, yeah, we're, charis- we're charismatics. I would say that. And I wouldn't say that we were Pentecostals. 
I'd say we were charismatics. We're not charismaniacs, but we're charismatics. I would agree with that. And so what are we? Well, we try to strike the balance. I like to call ourselves Bapticostals. <laughs> Just Bapticostals, man. I mean, you know, hey. I mean, we believe in the, look, I, look, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that they are for today. I believe they're for today. I believe that we need to flow and, and exercise the gifts of the Spirit in a balanced biblical way. And I think what we're missing in the church is balance. You see, the Spirit is not given to us so that we would blow up. All Spirit, poof! You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, man, man, that really was spiritual. Whoa, look, they just dissolved right in front of us. Whoa. No, the Spirit is not given that we would blow up. The Spirit is given to the church, watch this, that we might grow up. Grow up? Yeah. You know, someone once said it like this. All word, no spirit, you'll dry up. All word, all spirit, no word, you'll blow up. We need a balance of both and we'll grow up. And that's what we seek, balance here at Calvary Chapel. Now, keep in mind, you want to understand something here. As Jesus is talking to his disciples, they were already born again. Here in Acts chapter 1, they were already born again, and they were already indwelt by the Spirit. What do you mean, Roddy? Remember John chapter 20? Jesus had been crucified on the cross, resurrected from the dead. Meanwhile, the disciples are gathering in the upper room with the doors are locked, and they're defeated and discouraged and confused because they thought Jesus was dead. And then Jesus just kind of pops right in the room unexpectedly and he said peace and then he breathed on them and said what receive ye the spirit don't you remember and let me tell you something when jesus breathes on you to receive the spirit guess what happens you receive the spirit and they were already born again they were already filled with the spirit and from this moment on from that moment on they were filled with the spirit and born again and the holy spirit is in them now give me Five minutes, five minutes, what I'm about to tell you is very, very, very important. Turn quickly. I'm behind time. I got five minutes, all right? John chapter 14, verse 17. Five minutes, five minutes. Okay, Lord, need your help. Got to do this in five minutes. John chapter 14, verse 17. Turn there quickly. Then you got to see this because what I'm going to tell you is very important. Every Christian needs to understand this. John chapter 14, verse 17. You're there? Say amen. amen. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Read this. For he what? Dwells with you and will be in you. Circle with. Circle in. Very, very important here. There are three different ways that the Holy Spirit relates to us. Three different Greek words concerning our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The first relationship is the Greek word para. When Jesus said he dwells with you, that is the Greek word. If you want to write this in your Bible, para, P-A-R-A. He dwells with you. That literally means in the vicinity of. That means he comes alongside. 
In other words, when you're sharing the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of an individual, para, and convicts them of sin. It is the Holy Spirit who says you need to be born again. It's the Holy Spirit who says you need to repent. It's the Holy Spirit that says you need to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes alongside in the vicinity of para, dwells with you to convict you of your sin. Now, when you become a Christian... Then the Holy Spirit dwells in you. That's why Jesus said he dwells with you and shall be in you. Then that's a different Greek word. That's a Greek word, E-N. Very simple, N, in you. He dwells in you. So now you are born again Christian. Now you are saved. Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Notice in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, here's a third and final relationship of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you. You see that? That's a different Greek word. So we have with, and, and upon. That's the Greek word epi. E-P-I, or epi, some people pronounce it. So the, so, so the person's been saved, para. Now the Spirit lives in. And then Jesus talks about this epi, or the Spirit coming upon you. This is an experience after salvation, sometimes at the time of salvation, when the Spirit comes upon a person and gives you supernatural, explosive, dynamite power for service. Remember in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God never filled anybody prior to Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God never filled anybody. In the Old Testament, David, the Spirit of God came upon David. The Spirit of God came upon Ezekiel. The Spirit of God came upon Isaiah. The Spirit of God came upon Samson. The Spirit of God came upon Moses and Jeremiah. See, the Spirit of God comes upon an individual, a P, giving power for service. I remember in my life when the Spirit of God came upon me. And it was the gift of teaching that the Holy Spirit had given me. But when the Spirit, I was always teaching the Word. But when the Spirit of God came upon me, saints, I tell you that there was a marked difference in my ministry. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.